0: I greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here. As I announced previously, uh, this message this morning is going to be directed toward the youth. Obviously, the principles that I'm going to address this morning apply to all and pretty much to all interpersonal relationships. And the title of the message is, Just How Dumb Can My Parents Become? And I think probably that question has been asked many times, not necessarily to, I'm not putting people in a box, but I, I've been disgusted at my parents when I was young and I thought that their decisions were less than smart. And, uh, so anyhow, so this is directed toward youth. It's not like I have a bone to pick with youth. I appreciate youth. I, invested half of my working years in the ministry toward youth, and youth are not as dumb as sometimes we adults think they are. Um, and so it kind of comes both ways. They, they're very observant and uh, sometimes come to, uh, at least sometimes come to more accurate conclusions than may we as adults that have had our lives muddled up a lot longer. So um, uh, they, they can see through some situations that sometimes it's hard for us to, to, to see. And, and one thing I have observed about youth that I really appreciate is that youth want to be told how it is, all right? They don't want you to be beaten around the bush. They want you to tell, tell them how it is. Now you have to do that with love and compassion and care and you know your life has to reflect that in all in many, many different aspects. But if you're willing to hear them out and you're willing to hear hear what they have to say, they're um, they're 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 willing to hear your side of the story. And so um, they're very observant. Youth Walk into this building at, at Bible school, and uh, I asked them one time in chapel, and I may have told you this before, but I asked them one time in chapel how long it takes for them to basically have a real, fairly good gut feeling of the other students' spiritual maturity. How long does that take for them to figure that out? And I said, can you do it in 36 hours? And they said, oh yeah. Not, heads are nodding all over the, it's like, they're not dumb. They're smart. They can walk into a place like this and pretty much have things figured out in 36 hours. And they probably got all the teachers figured out in 36 hours. You know, it's like, you don't, you don't pull the wool over their eyes. They, they're not, they're not dumb. I had a young guy, I do, I did interviews when I was in administration, and uh, this one guy told me, he said, our, our church professes to be conservative, but he said, we're not. He said, we, we just fool ourselves. That's oh, all really. Yeah, he said, no church can claim the title of conservative that allows their young people to go to town And rent movies and watch him without any kind of accountability. He said, it's not there. You can say what you want, but that is not conservative. And so he said, our church isn't, really, he said, our church isn't conservative. Another young man sat across the room from me and he said, I don't think my dad's a Christian. I said, why do you think that? He said, I do not think it's possible for a person to be so obsessed with business as my dad is and be a Christian. He said, I don't think it's possible. Now, he said, my mom is a fine Christian. He said, "I, I really don't think my dad is. Says priorities are way too far off. I was standing up by the ping pong table, struck up a conversation with a guy one time, and he says, ah, I don't know what happened. To this day, I'm not sure I don't know what happened. But he told me, he said, all oh, Mennonite preachers are hypocrites. He said, That's just the way it is. That's oh, all really? Yeah, yeah, he said that's the way it is. So, I'm thinking, well, he's being kind to me. He didn't say you're a hypocrite, necessarily. At see we don't run around the bush a little bit, you know and and so you know when when people make radical statements like that, and you, you know you get a big wide paintbrush and just paint everybody like that, you know it's like it's really probably not a good time to talk and i and so I said oh, i i well, I don't know, and so we were on the bus and tour, and we were doing an all nighter and he was standing up by the by the windshield on the steps there, and so I said, "This is my chance. We're going to get this ironed out, whether all Mennonite preachers are hypocrites or not. So we talked for probably two hours, and we had a good conversation. I don't know i I can't recall even. You know they even said necessarily what the what the problem was he he just says, you know he's like they just don't live what they say and and uh I found it interesting that he married a bishop's daughter <clears throat> so I don't know maybe the bishops aren't hypocrites, just the ministers I, that's a joke <laughs> you know very well, anyhow. But, but, you know, that's hypocritical right there. I mean, it's like, why would you want to marry a hypocrite's daughter? You know, and, and it's really not realistic just because maybe one, you thought one Mennonite minister did you bad. Did you take this big six inch brush and start just painting every, you know, everybody all the same? And so, but let me ask you a question. If, in fact, if, in fact, he was convinced that all Mennonite preachers are hypocrites, how would he relate to those preachers? Any Mennonite preacher. Young people this morning. I'm addressing the young people this morning. I said I am. So you, you, the rest of you, like I said, can apply. I believe it is critical It is of critical importance for youth how you view the intelligence of your parents. It is extremely critical how you view the intelligence of your parents. If you think that your parents are stupid, all right, Everything they say is going to run off like water off a duck's back. You aren't going to pay a lick of attention to anything they say. Because they're just plain stupid. But on the other hand, if you think your parents are wise, you are going to welcome their input into your life. And so... Young people this morning, on a scale of 1 to 10, how intelligent are you? Nine and a half? Seven? Five? Now, I'm serious now. Pick a number. Next question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how intelligent are your parents? This is not a joke. We're talking about serious stuff this morning. How uh, how intelligent are your parents? Third question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you know of what there is to know about life? Fourth question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much experience have you had in comparison to the amount of experience your parents have had? Next question. Does lack of experience automatically make you stupid? And I think we would all answer that question. No. Lack of experience don't make me stupid. All right. Because I can't do brain surgery doesn't make me a moron. All right. Next question. Can lack of experience make you vulnerable? And I think we would all know the answer to that is yes. My lack of experience can make me vulnerable. Another question, as youth, how complicated do you perceive life? Do you perceive life as being, I mean, like, the answers are simple, you just go down through life, you do, you know, and, and, oh, that's easy, oh, that's easy to figure that out, that's easy to figure that out. It's, how, how, how complicated do you perceive life to be? Or how simple? Do you have the p- capability as a young person? Do you think it's possible? I'm sorry. Do you think it's possible to go through life having all the answers? Is that possible? I was watching uh, the Boston debate on non-resistance on YouTube. Now, I went back to review this because the moderator made a statement, and obviously they cut it out now. I cannot find it. But in the original, it was there. Now, he said, if I can remember correctly, he said, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. In other words, I may lack knowledge, but that doesn't mean I don't have a reasonable IQ. And he said that in, in relation, if I recall, to everything that you know, has to do with, with non-resistance. I've said many times about Maranatha is that once you think you've seen it all, then you haven't seen it all. And I I think that's pretty much that was driven home in March of this year. I mean, it's like once I I mean, if you would have told me some kind of disease would shut down Mary at the Bible school, I told you I mean go jump the lake. I mean it ain't gonna happen. Come on. Yeah, we have flu, we have this, we have that, and you know, people lay in their bunk and puke and they get over it. And you know, hopefully it's a three day flu, three day flu rather than a one week flu. And but but we work our way through it. Like like shut the place down? I don't think so. And that's kind of I, I would say that's a description of life, not just marrying out the Bible school. You know, once once you think you've seen it all, you, you haven't really seen it all. So young people this morning, advice from an old preacher has hearing aids and glasses and whatever problems. Um If you think life is simple. I'm sorry you're in for a rude awakening. Life is not simple. It just simply is not simple. If you move into life. And and I, I, I say this very carefully, but if you move into life thinking life is simple, life will be easy, then you will probably be easily discouraged. You probably will. Because your expectations are too high. Brothers and sisters, this morning we live in a sin-cursed earth, all right, You're not just going to find this perfect guy and you're not going to just have this perfect wedding and you're not going to have these perfect children and you're not going to live in a perfect house and you're not going to drive in a perfect car and you're not going to have perfect health because we live in a sin-cursed earth. That's the way it is. And the sin makes life challenging and difficult. And if you haven't found out yet, you will find out by the time you get to your parents' age. But those trying times are good for us because it builds our faith. It builds our, it builds our confidence in God. Okay, I went through that tough one five years ago. I'm still alive. Great. God can do it again. I wonder how God, what's going to God going to do this time? To get me through this thing that's impossible. You know, I challenge you young people to move ahead with courage, with faith, with confidence. If you always, if you always fear failure, You have a problem. I've this quote up there on the bulletin board. If Richard didn't take it down yet, never fear failure. Fear success in the wrong things. If you fail, you're likely to learn from it, and you're likely to do better next. But if you fail, in success, it's more likely that you won't recover. If you have succeeded to the point where you don't need somebody else, you don't need God, you don't need all these things, that's the biggest failure. so the question comes then do your parents have all the answers obviously no your parents don't have all the answers they have to accept that you have to accept that now if they don't have the autom- if they don't have all the answers does that automatically make them stupid No. When you get a boyfriend and when you get a girlfriend, will they have all the answers? You think they will? No. We all have to admit nobody has all the answers. All right? So if your boyfriend or your girlfriend... Will they have all the answers? No. Does that only make them stupid? No. So if I look around at my parents, if I look at my parents, we're talking about youth and parents, you know, this morning. If I look at my parents and think if I think they are stupid. Where does the problem lie? In their stupidity? Or could it be a possibility it might be in my pride? Let's turn to Romans 12. And I find this very, very interesting passage of scripture, and it is, it is so familiar. When I was studying this, and 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 I, my mind went to verse three, Romans twelve three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now it almost looks to me like that. Okay, he starts, Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed to the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In verse 4, For we have many members of one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. Like, we don't need verse 3 in there. I mean, just plop this, I mean, change the subjects and then switch back again. What's verse 3 all about? Anyhow. Can I present myself a living sacrifice if I think that my parents don't quite get it, my preachers don't quite get it, and God doesn't understand either? Can I present myself a living sacrifice? Will the church work? You go down here. He's talking about people, one body in Christ, members one of another, gifts differing according to the grace given, portion of faith or ministry, let us wait in our ministering. He that exhorteth, uh, ten, be kindly affectionate. Do all this work if I have this attitude that everybody's stupider than I am? You know, you just go through life and just discount everything. You've seen them. You've seen people, and if you haven't met one young people yet, you will sometime in your life, that think they have all the answers, and they're going to take nothing off of nobody for any reason. And you talk about a poor soul. and typically that pride breeds bitterness and futility so unless our pride i mean if we have that mentality if if we are if we are secretly Feeding that mentality and my parents just don't quite get it. If that pride is not taken care of, that attitude is not taken care of, rest assured, you know who the next person's gonna be? It's gonna be your husband or your wife. And you'll probably be asking, how stupid can my wife or my husband be? It's just ignorant. How we treat our parents is how we'll treat our spouse. And I'll be just bold enough to say this morning, and correct me if I'm wrong, That attitude is a dead giveaway of where I am in my relationship with God. So we're talking about authority structure. We're talking about things, instructions that those over us are giving us, whether it's God, whether our parents, whether it's our boss, whatever, that whole thing is a dead giveaway How can I have a relationship with somebody that I I just can't quite stand? And their IQ is at the bottom. How can I have a relationship with that? I can't. So my respect for authority, my respect for those around me, my parents will be dumb, my preachers will be dumb, the church is dumb. God doesn't even quite get it because he don't understand me and morphs right into bitterness. And they leave God. They leave church. They leave family. They leave home. They run away. They go on and on and on and on and on. You've seen them. I've seen them. It is tragic beyond measure. Bitterness and rebellion will take you further than you want to go and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And the only cure for that, you and I all know, is repentance and getting right with God. So the question is not really how dumb can my parents become? But the question should be, what can I learn from my parents' experience? And what is my obligation in contributing to my relationship with my parents? Now, I don't know if you realize this, youth, but... Little children have their challenges, alright? I mean, it, they, little children take lots of work. I mean, just tremendous amount of work. Uh, it, it never quits. I mean, till at least the oldest, oldest child maybe turns 10 or 12 or something to really seriously start contributing to the household. And, you know, it's like till we get some moved up in there to really help along. I mean, mom and dad are ended up to here when it comes to work. But, the decision making is fairly simple. You do this, you do that. Dad wants you to do this. Dad wants you to do that. And so, basically, it's taking care of attitude problems when they don't want. I don't want to take out the trash. I don't want to do that. Okay, so you deal with all that and you try to, you know, form their character. But it's not how often. Should I do this or can I do this? I mean, we're talking about complicated relationship. How can I deal with somebody in the youth group that seems obnoxious and hates me? All right? Hopefully that don't happen. All right? But how how can I? All right? So it gets really, really complicated. And so you have two boys and three girls that are in the teens or whatever, however many it may be, and you're supposed to be answering these questions and and you're expected to be the one that gives the answers. So one of the signs of of maturity is when a child quits oh, how could I say? It? I'm going to say quits taking, but quits primarily taking and starts contributing, all right? So they walk through the kitchen, the trash can's full, they grab out the bag, they tie it shut, throw it wherever it's supposed to be or whatever, and put a new one in. And nobody has to ask them, all right? That's a sign of maturity. When they are contributing to the household. Now, let's take this, the same thing. Youth, your parents are in very challenging times when they are trying to help you, and that becomes extremely difficult if that is a one-way street. Follow me. So as a youth, your responsibility is not just taking and taking and taking and taking and taking, but from that relate from a relationship and maybe your parents are trying to salvage it all the time, that's not what God intended. God intended you to be contributing to the relationship with your parents. And as I said before, you can't do that if you think your parents act you is at the bottom of the barrel. And so you you have to change your thinking. If, if you're battling with that, you have to change your thinking. You have to change your perspective. You have to change the platform on which you relate to your parents. And you have to assume the responsibility of contributing to that relationship in a positive way so that Not only God is honored and that you, you are putting yourself in the way of, of success spiritually, but simple fact that home stays what God wants it to be and not this continual sparks flying and arguing and bickering and debating why, why, why and all these, all these things. If you can accept that your parents have more experience They have miles behind them. They've been through things. That you have no clue about. Yet they don't have all the answers. But you and them. Putting both of you. Your best foot forward. Can be what God wants your home to be. And your life to be. And the type of. Satisfaction that God wants your parents to experience with teenagers in the house. They're not stupid. You're not stupid. Why not band together and make the best of it? So if you're not on your parents' side this morning, I don't know if there is anybody here or not, but if you're not on your parents' side this morning, I beg you, I plead you to get on your parents' side and learn together. They'll make your load lighter, you'll make their load lighter. Don't resist them. Pull with them. Respect them for who God placed them in your life to be. They have poured tremendous amounts of energy and prayer and compassion into your life. Don't take it for granted. Thank God for your Christian parents. They are An invaluable treasure. Let's kneel in prayer.